Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Come on, Jesus is the good shepherd. Let me, let me, let, let me do this. I, I just feel like I still just want to pause because how many of you guys have ever been in a moment and you were holding your breath and you didn't realize you were holding your breath? ever done that? You're like, oh man, I've been holding my breath forever. I just feel like I want us just to do this. Let's close our eyes and let's just take a deep breath. Just to, that song was talking about breathing, that God's breath is in our lungs. Just some of you just maybe roll your shoulders, you're tense, you've had a rough work week, you've got a rough work week coming up. Let's just take another deep breath and just let it out. Man, Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. God, I just pray that whatever burden that we're carrying, whatever weight, God, that we've been able just to lay it down at your feet today. God, just to pick up the rest that you promised to give us. And God, as we get ready to go into your word, God, I pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our heart, God, to, to receive from you. God, it's, your word says that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, just revealing who we are. And so, Father, we ask you to do that. God, we ask that your, your scripture that you have breathed life into will in turn breathe life into us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen. Hey, listen, my name is Stephen. If you don't know me, my family and I, along with an incredible team, uh, lead here at Avenue Church. And we are just honored to have you with us if you're a guest. Can we give all of our guests a hand this morning? Come on. If this is your first time, or maybe you've been once and you trusted enough to come back a second time, we're even more grateful, right? And so we want to invite you, if you're a guest with us, fill out a connection card. There's two ways to do that. You can text the word Avenue Connect to 97000. You'll receive a link that has a bunch of different things. But really what we're most uh, uh, emphasizing is the connection card. If you just click on that, you can give us as little or as much information as you want to so that we can stay connected with you. Let us know if this is your first or second time. Uh, and then also you can let us know how we can be praying for you. So even if Avenue Church is your church home and you've been here every week since we've started or maybe you've been coming you know, recently, we want you to know that you are not alone in whatever you're walking through, that you have pastors and leaders and a church that is standing behind you in prayer. And so you can let us know how to pray for you. It's completely confidential. Just my wife and I and a couple other leaders see those so that we can be praying with you. And a couple of ways that you can get involved um, here at Avenue Church, we've just launched our men's and women's Bible study. Our guys, we're going to be meeting tomorrow night and ladies are meeting on Tuesday night. It's really just a great time to dig into God's word and build some relationships. And so we really want to encourage you to be a part of that. And then also, guess what next Sunday is? Easter Sunday. Come on, I'm so excited about that. Easter Sunday. Now, that is the Super Bowl Sunday for churches. And it is really the one time a year that everyone, 
If they attend church once a year, guess when they're going? Easter, because that's when people feel actually the unchurched feel the safest to go because they know there will be more people there. Actually, they feel like they can just kind of hide into the crowd, right? Anybody do that? You come in, hide in the back so you can get out right as soon as church is over, right? I see you. I see you in the back. I'm just kidding. But people are more open to coming to church on Easter Sunday than any other Sunday. So we want to give you some tools to help you invite your friends. So in everyone's seat, there was an invite card on the back of it. It has all the information so you don't have to memorize anything, service times, address, email address, website, social media. It's all right there. But then on the bottom is a place for you to put a little note form. So you can, you can write a note, invite them, and they read that afterwards because most people would come to church, realize this, most people would come to church if someone personally invited them. And so there's someone in your circle of friends, maybe in your family that you work with, that is looking for something that you have And so they're waiting on someone to invite them and that someone could be you. So I just want to encourage you over the next day or two, be praying about who God is laying on your heart to invite to come to church, not just so that we can fill up this room, but so we can introduce them to a Savior. Amen. And then if you've been coming for a while, we want to help you get connected. We're going to start our growth track classes back, our growth track event back after Easter, which is the 11th of April. It's going to be after the 11 o'clock service. We'll have lunch, child care. And it's the easiest on-ramp for those of you who've been coming for a while. Or maybe you, um, you know, started the process back in March, February, whenever we did it. It seems forever ago. And you missed some classes you can jump back in and make up those classes. But it's a great way for you to, to connect with some of our team, jump on a team yourself. We're going to give you some tools to kind of help you uh, walk out your best life with Jesus. And you can sign up for all of that and give us um, anything that you may need through our connection card. All right, with that being said, open your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 10. John chapter 10. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. And we're in the third part of a series called I Am, and we're looking at these statements Jesus makes about himself where he says, I am, and then he makes the statement. And so the first couple of weeks, we looked at the, first, like at, at the statement where he says, I am the bread of life. And we talked about how we all have these hungers, and some of them can be satisfied like Food hungers can be satisfied with Twinkies and Cheetos and steak and all that. But then there's, there's also a deeper hunger that I like to call a soul hunger that we try to satisfy with work, with you know finances, with relationships. And we walk away from those things feeling even more empty. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am the bread of what? Life. And he's saying all who take me will always be satisfied. And then last week we talked about Jesus being the light of the world to where he wants to invade your life and point out the areas and expose the areas of your life that that need to be dealt with. And he doesn't just want to deal with them harshly, but he wants to deal with them lovingly by offering you hope and then giving you direction. And this week we're going to look at how Jesus wants us to relate to him as a good shepherd. And that may not make sense. It's like, what? I'm not a sheep. Oh, but you are. And we'll find out. So if you're in John chapter 10, say I'm there. Good. You guys are on top. All right. So we're going to start in verse 11. And Jesus, right out of the gate, he says, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. He makes a statement again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know my father. He says this again, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold yet. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. It says the father loves me because I sacrificed my life and then I take it back again. And so he's comparing himself to a good shepherd. And everyone that's standing around him is taking notice. They're making connections to things that have been said about shepherds in the Old Testament scripture-wise. But I want you to understand kind of the context of where this is taking place and that you have John chapter 9. It really bleeds into John chapter 10. It's a continuing of a conversation that Jesus was having with some religious folks who got their feelings hurt. Jesus had walked to the temple and had healed a man who had been born blind. So for 38 years, he had spent his life blind. And the disciples walk past and they say, Jesus, is this man blind because of his sin or because of his family's sins? And Jesus says, neither. He was actually born blind for this very moment. Imagine that. You spent 38 years blind for a moment for the Savior to walk past. And he says he was born blind for this moment so that God could receive glory. And it says that Jesus knelt and he made some mud with his spit and put the mud on his eyes and told him to go wash and that he would be able to see. And when he did all that, guess what? He could see. And so he's walking through the city celebrating and people are recognized like, hey, isn't that the blind guy? How is he like, how, like, how is this happening? And people started taking notice and all the religious people started like they were trying to find out like, how did this happen? It's, a, it's the Sabbath. It's like, we're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. Like, we're not supposed to do any of that. So they brought the guy in to get his story and he was like, who did this to you? When they should be celebrating, they were interrogating because that's what religious people do. They have a hard time celebrating what God is doing in someone else's life, like we talked about last week, and they can't see when God's trying to do something in their life. So they start asking him questions, and the guy's like, look, all I know is I was blind, and now I can see. So they go get his parents, and they talk to his parents, like, hey, can you tell us what's going on? And, you know, they step back. It was like, look, he's old enough to fend for himself. Ask him. And what they wind up doing, guys, is their jealousy and their inability, inability to see what's going on has their heart so hardened that instead of celebrating and bringing this guy in to the flock, into the temple, they kick him out. And so that's what Jesus is trying to help us understand is like, look, you have shepherds who are only doing things for themselves because people look at the Pharisees and the religious people as they have it all together. And then here comes this guy, Jesus, and he performs a miracle, but they don't. And so their glory is robbed, but Jesus doesn't take the glory. Guess who he's given it to? His father. And so that's why he begins to tell this story about there's a difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd because we see in Ezekiel chapter 34, and the Pharisees pick up on this. When, when Jesus starts talking about the good shepherd and the bad shepherd, they know scripture. 
Because in Ezekiel 34, it talks about that there are evil shepherds who are only doing this for themselves, that when the flock scatters and the sheep get away, they just let them go. They're negligent. And they're only trying to get money for themselves. When the sheep is wounded, they don't do anything to help the sheep. They just leave the sheep. That's what the evil sheep shepherds do. And Jesus is pretty much pointing to the Pharisees and the religious leaders like, this is you guys. But then it says that the good shepherd goes and gets the flock, gets the lost ones. He, he binds up their wounds and heals them and that, that he takes care of them, not because he gets paid, but because they're his sheep. And so Jesus, in some ways, is a little indignant and upset because the guy that he just healed was one of his sheep, right? Was, was one of his children, was one of his people, and they just kicked him out of the temple. And it, it is also easy to connect because, like, sheep and shepherds were a very, very common theme in this time. And the word, like, sheep is used, like, sheep are talked about over 200 times in Scripture. 200 times. Dogs, about 50 times. Cats, you know how many times? Zero, right? Because they're of the devil. <laughs> all, all my cat lovers are like, meow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was actually on the patio the other night, and we had, we had put the, turned on the fireplace and was roasting some marshmallows, and we were just sitting out there. And all of a sudden, I hear just like this loud, right, God, somebody's trying to get in the backyard. It was a cat. I didn't know cats could jump that high, had jumped over my fence, terrified me. So if you have a cat, we'll have some prayer team members up here at the end of service, and we can pray for you, right? No, but, but honestly, like what Jesus is saying is like, all right, you have shepherds and you have sheep. And he's saying, I am the good shepherd. These are the bad shepherd. Guess who the sheep he's referring to are? You guys. Point to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. And so when you get to looking at sheep, sheep really aren't like the greatest of animals. Like if I was going to pick an animal to be, I would definitely want to be a lion. All right? I would want to be a lion or a dolphin. Why a dolphin? Because they're super smart and they can swim. And I can't swim very well and I'm not very smart. So if I was going to be something, I would want to be a lion or a dolphin. But instead, Jesus compares us to sheep. And when you start looking at sheep... This is, this is kind of how we are, right? Four things about sheep we need to understand about them so we can also understand about ourselves is sheep get lost very easily. They have a very, very poor sense of direction. Wives, this is not the point to elbow your husband, okay? We, we, we get it, all right? We get it. I need, a, I need a TomTom. You guys even know what that is, right? A Magellan. I need Google Maps to get me where I'm going. But sheep aren't very good with direction, and they don't have a fight or flight mentality. They only have a flight mentality. There's no fighting. If, if danger comes, they're not fighting. They're fleeing. And the thing about that is they don't pay attention to where they are. So when they run, they have a hard time getting back to where they're supposed to be, getting back on track. They can't, they, they, they have a herd mentality. So when one sheep starts to wander off, guess what the other sheep start doing? Right, where's he going? Let's go see where he's going, right? Let's just follow him. And so without a shepherd, they get lost very, very easily. As a matter of fact, sheep will actually follow other sheep like into danger without realizing where they're going. The second thing sheep are, and we can be sometimes, is sheep can be stubborn. Just let that settle. Everybody take a deep breath. All right? Sheep can be stubborn. We can be stubborn, right? 
and how sheep can be stubborn is when they get into like a crevice or like a little a, a cave or a pathway in between like a rock and a hard place, or they start to go into a thicket with lots of briars and, and they get in there and they start to get stuck and they can't go any further, right? A stubborn sheep is just going to keep going. They're just going to keep going until they get themselves in a bind that they can't get out of when all they have to do is just back away. Just back out. How many times, and you know, for those of us who are maybe D personalities, A type personalities, we're driven, we're just gonna keep going and keep going until we get stuck. And then we're just gonna keep going and keep going until we dislocate our shoulders. And then we're just gonna keep going and keep going when all we have to do is just take some steps back. But just like sheep are stubborn, you and I can be stubborn as well. When we get to a place and God puts a roadblock or a stop sign, we're like, no, you know what? I'm just going to take a few more steps and see what, I, I think I can do this, God. He's like, no, you need to back up at this point. Sheep can be stubborn. Sheep can also are defenseless. They don't have really good ways of defending themselves. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen like a sheep with claws or fangs, right? I, I know sheep can eat almost anything. They're kind of like goats. They'll eat whatever is around but I'm not super afraid of a goat bite. Anybody ever been bitten by a goat? Just a second. If, if you raise your hand, you're like, I'm not raising it that high. That's embarrassing, right? But goats can't run very fast. I told a joke first service, and my wife told me not to tell it second service, so I'm not going to tell it unless you really want to hear it. You guys really want to hear it? All right, it's, it's a dad joke, right? All right, so, so get ready for it. You know what a sheep says when a wolf comes up on them? You know what it says? Get back. <laughs> they liked it much better in first service. Thank you, guys. It's like Caesar, Caesar is up in the, it's like, uh, and you're down. All right, you're down. But they have no way of defending themselves. And honestly, when it comes to you and I, on our own, the enemy, Scripture says that he's like a roaring lion, lion seeking who he can devour. By ourselves, we are defenseless. But it's only when we connect with the good shepherd that we can be protected. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And the second, the last thing is this, is, is sheep are just dirty. Like, they can't clean themselves. You know, cats, they can clean up. They can take a bath. And dogs, they clean themselves, you know, they can wash themselves. Sheep, they can't do any of that. And sheep grow wool, right? They can't give themselves a haircut. I've been giving my, myself a haircut for like 12 years, saved lots of money because each year there's less and less hair that I have to cut. But sheep, their hair just keeps growing. I don't know if you guys saw like on, like on, you know, the feed news feeds last week or a couple of months ago, actually, when I think about it, like, they found a wild sheep with 77 pounds of wool once they trimmed it off. Like, and it was like ridiculous looking. And we picture sheep being like all white and fluffy. No, this dude was like gray and grimy. And so it was just overloaded. And so sheep don't have a way of taking care of themselves and cleaning themselves. So they need a shepherd to make sure to trim the wool and keep it cut back. Just like you and I, we can't do the redemptive work of cleaning up all of our mess on our own. We need a savior and a shepherd to take care of that for us. And so that's why we see Jesus making these statements. He says, I am the good shepherd. And it's referencing back when you look at Psalms 23. It's, Psalms 23 is a famous psalm. So if you want to turn there, we're going to look at this whole passage of scripture and it's six verses. We're going to read it. And a lot of times, you know, 
we, we will read this and not fully understand maybe what, what the writer David is saying. So Psalm 23, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. So David's talking about his relationship with his heavenly father. And he says, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake, to bring honor to his name. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and you honor me by anointing my head with oil. It says, my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever, not just a couple of days, not just a couple of years, but forever. And it's not just talking about on the other side of the eternity. We can also live in that moment, in that presence, in his house on this side of eternity. Do you guys know that? Like forever doesn't start once we're in heaven. Forever is starting right now, right? Forever is now. And so he's saying I get to live in his house forever. And I want us to look at what Jesus wants to have with us, with our relationship with him, what a relationship with a good shepherd looks like, and the responsibilities of a good shepherd in our life. One of the things that we have to know is that a good shepherd guides. That's what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd guides. He says that, that he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And then it says he guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now, so many times we think that the right path is the right path because it feels good. But how many of you know that sometimes the right path doesn't feel good? That it is a hard path, but it's the path that we're supposed to be on. And it says that he leads me on the right path for his namesake, for his glory. And we get that confused and we think Jesus is supposed to lead me in the right direction for, for me. Like, it's all about me. We have this egocentric mentality in the Western world and in America, and, 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 and we think that, that everything is about me, but it's not. Everything is about him. And so when he leads us on the right path, whether we like it or not, we get the goods, but he gets the glory. And he's after the glory, not our good. Because the byproduct of his glory is our good. But what we want to do is seek the good and bypass the glory, if you guys are trekking with me on that. Because we get selfish and we want to leave God out of the equation and think that he's leading us on the right path for us. But it's not. Scripture says it's not for us, but it's for him so that he can get the glory. So he says sheep were prone to wander, prone to, to, to wander off, follow other sheep, follow our own tendencies, our own desires, our own passions. But... Back in John, Jesus makes the statement, and he says that, that when he goes and he calls the sheep, it says after he gathers them, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And he even says that, that he calls them by name, and they recognize his voice. And so let me ask you, like, do you know the voice of the good shepherd? 
If I were to ask you, it was like, all right, look, I'm going to put a whole bunch of women in the room, and I'm going to bring my wife in. I'm going to blindfold you, and you have to pick out my wife based on just listening for her voice. Could you do that? Some of you are like, absolutely, all right? Those of you who have been walking close. But, and so here's the thing. Some of you are like, no, I've not even met your wife, or I've not had enough conversations with your wife to know her voice. Could that also be true of so many times we ask, I just want to hear God's voice that maybe we can't hear him, not because he's not speaking, but it's because we don't recognize his voice. One, because we don't know his voice at all. We don't have a relationship with him. Or two, we haven't spent enough time listening to his voice to be able to recognize it. Or it could be a third thing. Maybe he has spoken and we have recognized his voice, but we chose to go a different direction. I was talking with some of the church members earlier, and I, I left this out of first service, and sheep know their shepherd's voice so well that they've done studies and does these experiments, just kind of just checking on it, that we're a shepherd of a flock, and, and there would be two or three different flocks in a sheepfold or a sheep pen with two or three different shepherds, and, and they will call, like a shepherd will go up and call for his sheep, and only those sheep will come out because they recognize his voice. All the other sheep stay in because they don't recognize the voice. And so I thought, okay, does this really work? Maybe they're just recognizing because how he looks. And so they took the same shepherd, put him in different clothes, and he went to the sheep's pen and called for his sheep. And even though he didn't look the same, they recognized his voice and they followed. See, so many times we expect our situations and God's voice to look the same in the situation as what it is in somebody else's or in our life previously but it's not what we should be looking for. It's what we should be listening for. And so how do we come to, to know God's voice to allow him to lead us? It's spending time in his word and it's spending time in prayer and then being obedient to what he tells us to do. It is that simple. But we want to listen to podcast after podcast, sermon after sermon, prayer after prayer to hear God's voice when all we have to do is be obedient. And the more we're obedient, the more we're able to hear his voice and recognize it. Does that make sense? And so he wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. A good shepherd guides. A good shepherd provides. Everyone say provides. Verses one through three, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and leads me beside peaceful streams and he renews my strength. I think it's the NIV version that says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. See, some, like sometimes we want what we want and don't want what we need. We want what we want, but don't want what we need. And it says that, that he gives us all that we need. We may not get all that we want, but he will give us all that we, may, that we need. And it may look different than what we had anticipated it would look. You know, one of the, actually the very first commandment is not love the Lord your God with all your heart. It is in the Ten Commandments. But before the Ten Commandments was given, there was a command to rest that was given before the Ten Commandments. And how many of you know that in our society, in our culture, we don't do that very well? When someone asks you how you're doing, what's your response? I'm busy. Sometimes we say fine, but I know for me, most of the times, I say busy. Man, I'm just so busy. And so what I've tried to do to make myself not seem, I don't know, because we wear this word busy as like a badge of honor. 
right? That if you don't say busy, you feel like you're not accomplishing anything. So I, I try to say full. All oh, life's full, but really that's just a religious way of saying I'm busy, right? It's just like I'm just I'm trying to seem like not as like, I don't know, bitter about it. It's like, oh, life's full. God's Jesus is good, but really I'm just busy. And we don't do a good job resting. And so if nothing else, and I know like lives were lost and jobs were lost and finances were lost, but you know what has been gained over the last year with the world shutting down? People were finally made to rest. Because sometimes what we need, he has to make us receive. It's like how many times those of you with kids, like you have to force your kids to take medicine. Like, like penicillin, amoxicillin, like you got some Skittles in one hand and you got a squirter with penicillin in the other and you're just forcing it down their throat because you know that's what they need in this moment even though it doesn't feel good. It says he gives us what we need. It says he leads us beside peaceful still streams. And here's, here's what you have to understand about sheep is, is they, they will not drink out of a rushing stream. They won't. You can lead them to it. They won't drink out of it because they're just scared of it. And so that's why it says he leads besides peaceful waters. But then the other thing you have to understand is that when, you, when, when a stream dries up, the sheep will just stay there. Just hoping some water will reappear because that's where water used to be. That's why they need a shepherd to lead them to a new stream. Because so many times, like, like we've all been in these seasons that have dried up, but we're staying there waiting for the, for the water, for the flow to start again. And we just stay there. We're just like, all right, I'm going to stay here. But there's been times where the good shepherd's trying to lead us somewhere else and we're being stubborn like sheep do and not want to go there because this is where we're comfortable. And so he's wanting to provide, but we have to go where he's trying to provide. The third thing he does this is protect. Psalms 23, verses 4 and 5, it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You are close beside me. There's this great parable that Jesus tells in, in Luke 15 about there's 99, there's 100 sheep. There's 100 sheep, and one gets lost if you've been to church any time, you know the story. What does he do with the 99? He leaves the 99 to go after the one because he knows the one is going to be in danger because when a sheep is separated from the flock, that he is in danger. And so he wants to protect. And so he goes out and gets the one, brings it back to where it is safe. And he wants to protect us. And so many times, like, so, so we read this. It says, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor in his name. And then we read this, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, you protect and you comfort me. And some of your translations may say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, right? And what we have to understand in moments when we're in the shadow or when we're in the valley is actually when he is closest, and, and, and we think that, that he's closest to us when everything's going good and when everything's going bad and things are not going the way that we want. We think he has forsaken us. And so we, we look to the absence of the shadow to be the right path. But it's not the absence of the shadow that determines whether or not it's the right path. It's the presence of the shepherd that determines whether or not it's the right path. Because see, the, 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 the scripture right before that says, he leads me along the right path. But then the next scripture says, even when I walk through the valley of shadows or the valley of shadow of death, if you're in a flock and the shepherd is with you and you're in the valley and you're following the shepherd, is it the shepherd taking you there or are you taking yourself there? 
probably the shepherd leading you there. And it's in those moments that he's the closest. And I'm, even as I'm saying this right now, some of you may be in a valley. You may be surrounded by shadows and you think, hey, Jesus is nowhere around. I don't feel him. But it's actually in those moments, Psalms, it says that he is close to those who are crushed in spirit and near to those who are brokenhearted, that he's at his closest and he is leading you. It's not the absence of the darkness of the shadows that means you're on the right path. It's the presence of the shepherd that does. The fourth thing and the last thing that a shepherd does is he corrects us. A good shepherd corrects just like a good parent corrects. It's our responsibility. It's the shepherd's responsibility to correct us. And it says that your rod and your staff comfort me. So, so look at it like this way. So it's actually two things. So you've got the staff, which is like we've all seen. It's like the hook walking stick, right? And so it's the ones that they use when someone's singing really bad. They pull them off stage, right? And it's, the, it's, it's what they use when the shepherd or the sheep gets away from the flock. They can pull them back in or actually if a sheep falls like off in a ditch, they can use that to pull them back up. But then there's also a rod. There's a rod that's used for protection. But then there's also another purpose for it. And I didn't know this. And it seemed kind of cruel when I was reading an article on this that, that if a shepherd has a lamb in its flock and this lamb is constantly getting away and wandering off, the lamb will wander off and the frustrated shepherd will go over, pick it up and bring it back to the flock and put it there. And this lamb is just really, really stubborn. He's always just checking things out, wanting to get away. And this sounds cruel, but actually what a good shepherd will do is he will take the lamb and he will take the rod and he will crack the leg of the lamb. Like that is horrible. Why? Because now that lamb can't wander off. And now it is the shepherd's sole responsibility to take care of that sheep. He's got the other flock, but guess what he's going to do with that lamb? He's going to pull it closer. And guess what happens is that lamb is held closer to the shepherd. He begins to hear the shepherd's voice in calm and comfort. He is, he is in the hands of the shepherd that is being cared for, that is caring for him, that is mending him, that is nurturing him back to health. And so he builds this super strong bond with the shepherd. And I'm not saying every situation is like that, but I know like some of us get in ourselves in situations with consequences that we've asked God to get us out of and he doesn't. And he allows us to walk through those consequences because he knows the pain of this moment will prevent us from greater pain in the future. And I know like, let that settle. Just like, just the thought and the imagery of, of a good shepherd taking and, and in one sense wounding part of his flock to keep them close because he know if he doesn't do it now, the danger and the wound that that sheep will receive later on is going to be much greater. Scripture even says it like this, right? And we've all been disciplined. Hebrews 12, 7, and, you know, by our earthly parents, it says, as you endure this divine, everyone say divine. All right, divine means godly, means good. We think all things divine are good. Like, I want that. As you receive this divine discipline, remember God is treating you as your own children. Like, like there's been moments where God's chastised me and I've made a poor decision and, you know, I've done something and God's like, yeah, let me, let me fix that. I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like, I don't ever remember being at home and my mom telling me, just wait till your dad gets home, right? I don't ever remember saying like, oh, this is going to be great, you know? Actually, like the first time, the first time my dad ever gave me a spanking, he said, son, we're going to the barn. And he didn't tell me we were getting a spanking. And so we're walking to the barn. I was like, oh, so what are we going to do at the barn? And so we stopped by a dogwood tree. He breaks a branch off. 
and he breaks part of that branch off and, and he throws it down. I'm like, dad's got a branch. I need a branch. And so I pick up the other branch. And so we're walking up, doo, 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 had no idea what was about to happen. He said, stand here, son. I'm like, okay, dad, what? He said, drop that. You don't need that. And then he just gave me the first whipping I'd ever had. And it was one of those where we're like, we're going in circles. We're going in circles. But from that moment on, anytime my mom said, just wait till your dad got home, I knew what was coming. So I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing, a trip to the barn. Like, no, we don't do that. And so like, like in a moment when we like, oh, man, that was a bad decision. Scripture is very clear that we can't mock God's discipline. We don't get excited, but it's necessary. And that's why the reader in Hebrews says, Hebrews 12, 11, it says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained up this way. And I felt this really heavy first service. And, and sometimes God uses these seasons of correction and these valley moments and these shadow moments to bring us closer to him. Because he wants us to live out the fullness of life that he has for us. He wants to protect. He wants to guide. He wants to provide. He wants to do all those things and to bring us close. Jesus actually makes another statement before he said, I am the good shepherd. He makes a statement about... In, in John chapter 10, verse 9, um, in, order to, in order to have life with the shepherd, you have to understand this. Life with the shepherd is only found through the shepherd. And I'll explain what that means. And so it's just kind of my thought. Life with the shepherd can only be found through the shepherd. And what that means is Jesus makes this statement in John, John 10. He says, I am the gate. He says, everyone who comes through me will be Saved, They will come and go freely and find good pasture. And I said this earlier, the thief's purpose is to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I have come that you would have life and that you would have a rich and satisfying life. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, if you want to have this life, if you want to walk with me, if you want to walk with the good shepherd, you have to come through me. And what does that look like? That means it comes with a relationship with Jesus. And when you think about how a sheep pen was, it was around either made with rocks or made with thorns and sticks and briars. And there was a, a little kind of opening to get in, one way in, one way out. And what a good shepherd would do is he would lay down at the opening into the sheep pen. So that way, nothing got through except going through him. And so for you and I to walk in a relationship with the good shepherd, we have to go through him. And what that looks like, that means having a relationship. Now, with that, there's going to come blessings. There's going to come provision. There's going to come protection. But then there's also going to be some things that, that he's going to want to work out in our life for our good. And sometimes that doesn't feel good, but it's for our good. As I was telling the story earlier about, you know, one, he goes after the one sheep. And I'm believing that there may be just one person in here today that, that, that he's coming after. Whether it was, you know, during worship, whether it was during baby dedications, or maybe even during this word, during this message, he's coming after your heart because you are apart from his flock and he wants to bring you back in. So I want us to do this. I want us to close our eyes. I want us to bow our head. And maybe, maybe that's just you. Maybe that's the one. Maybe, maybe you're the one that he's speaking to this morning and he's saying, come back. Let me show you the life that I have for you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to provide for you. But I've also got to do some correcting in your life. 
And so maybe I said this, and I just really feel this. Maybe, maybe you came in. Maybe at some point you were walking with Jesus. You were walking with the good shepherd. And at some point it didn't look like you thought it was going to look. And so you made the decision to walk away. You made the decision because it was too, too painful. The shadows were too great. The valley was too long and you just weren't sure about this. And so you made the decision to walk away. Or maybe you've been trying to do all of this by yourself. Trying to walk it all by yourself. Work through it all by yourself. And you've seen these flocks, you've seen these churches, you've seen these, these Christians that seem like they have it all together and you think they would never accept me. And if that's you, let me tell you, it's not about us accepting you. It's about a Savior that's already accepted you. Come on. And so whether you've ever found a church home or been a part of a church home, know that you have a good shepherd and a father who loves you and wants to bring you in. And so if you're that one and you sense the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart right now and you sense him drawing you, coming after you, you simply in this moment just need to give your life to Jesus. And you would say, Jesus, I give you my life. I need a good shepherd. I need someone to lead and guide and protect and provide. And even, yes, at times, correct me. And I surrender to that. And you say, Jesus, I give you my life in this moment. Would you just, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just acknowledge that by lifting your hand this morning? rest of us. Maybe you've you've been in church with every head bowed and eye closed. You've been in church and you've walked away because you were hurt. That was never the intention. That was never the intention. The good shepherd wants to take care of you and walk with you and guide you. Look up here at me, guys. Here's, here's what I'll do. For those of you who raised your hand, come on. We had hands in many sections and maybe you didn't raise your hand but let me just tell you God knows the condition of your heart he knows every fear every desire every insecurity and if you raise your hand it doesn't it doesn't save you it just simply says I can't do this on my own Jesus I need you I need you to guide and direct me I need a shepherd in my life and in a moment we're going to pray and, and you're going to start the conversation and it's going to say Jesus I give you my life I'm sorry for what I've done I trust you. I want to follow you. That's not all that you'll say, and hopefully you'll say more in the days to come and weeks to come and months to come as that conversation grows and you begin to recognize his voice and follow his voice. But it's a start today. And Scripture says that when we say that, when we say, I'm sorry, forgive me, it says that, that he forgives us and that all of our sins are from the east to the west, never to be remembered again. He chooses. The enemy will come and try to remind you of what you've done. But our loving God has forgotten because it's covered the sacrifice of his son it says that the good shepherd lays down his life and so I want to pray for us and if you raised your hand or even if you didn't but you want to pray that prayer you just simply say Jesus I give you my life and it starts from there let's pray together Father I come to you this morning God and I thank you for your presence in this room God we thank you God for all that you've done in our hearts and in our lives through worship and even through the word and God even for those that raised their hand and didn't God you know and it's not about raising our hand, God. That's just an outward expression of what we're wanting to take place on the inside and saying that, 
God, I'm tired of wandering around lost and confused without a shepherd. That I need you to come and guide and direct my life. Bring me back in, God. Take care of me. God, even when I need it, correct me. And if it means breaking as hard as that is, God, break us so that we stay close to you. God, for those that are praying that prayer for the first time, God, I pray that that they feel your comfort and your peace even right now, God, that they are experiencing your love for the first time or a renewed time, God, that they would walk away from today knowing that they are a part of the family of God, knowing that they've been welcomed back into not just this house, but God, into your kingdom as a son and a daughter of the Most High King. God, for the rest of us maybe that have wandered, we, we had a relationship with you, but we lost your voice somewhere in all the commotion of life and the busyness of life. And we stopped listening, so we started wandering. God, maybe some of us are in here today and we're, we're asking to hear your voice in a new way. So God, I pray that you would even speak to them. God, as they come back into relationship with you today. God, walking closer than what they have before. And we thank you for the work that you've done in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, come on. Let's give God a hand clap. Incredible.